Welcome to The Griot's Remedy, a book loudly production, part of Pecan Tree Creative Solutions. This is where authors, coaches, and mental health professionals gather around the mic to explore themes brought to life in fictional works. What will they pull out of the bag on this episode? Keep it locked right here to find out. The Griot's Remedy is designed to be an entertaining and insightfully creative exploration of life issues through the lens of characters written in fiction and creative nonfiction stories and excerpts of full versions of scripts written for the stage or film. Thoughts, comments, and observations by the host, coaches, counselors, and therapists are not to be construed as personal advice or direction. Here is your host, author, publisher, and award-winning playwright, E. Claudette Freeman. Welcome back to The Griot's Remedy. It is season two, episode three. I'm so glad to have you with us as always. That Because this is episode three, that means we're halfway through this season. And it's been a very enlightening and invigorating season, which is always a beautiful thing. Listen, don't forget wherever you see the podcast information posted on our social media, if you get an email, however you get the information, feel free to drop us a comment. Let us know what your favorite episodes have been and why. Let us know um, what you think about the information we're offering. And if you've actually been able to do some um, sit down and inner work based on some of the information that Weena, Renee, and myself have shared. We're excited to have you back with us. So let's jump in. I'll say hello, Weena. Hello, Renee. How are you? Hello. Hello. Hey there. Couldn't be better. Good. Weena and Renee are my um, partners in this wonderful venture. And I think we all three get a kick out of what comes out of these stories and what comes out of the discussion. Um, I know I certainly do. So let me introduce the ladies to you officially. Weena Wise is a licensed couple and family therapist, certified professional coach, clinical writer, and public speaker in the DC metropolitan area. She's the owner of Covenant Counseling and Consulting and Covenant Coaching Academy with over 15 years of experience helping individuals couples, and families achieve the personal and relationship results they desire. You can visit covenanttherapy.com to find out all kinds of wonderful information on what Lena does, as well as purchase in-home sessions, uh, schedule an appointment, or book Lena for your next event. Renee Odrick is a board-certified professional life coach, counselor, author, and meditation and mindfulness trainer. She holds an MBA in business management and organization and has over 30 years of experience as a business professional with expertise in relationships, training, leadership, caregiving, and organization. She is the CEO of Meditational Moment Incorporated and Meditational Academy. And you can connect with Renee at meditationalmoment.com for bookings and appointments. Episode three is um, a fun little piece. And one of my favorite pieces, because it's so reminiscent of being in my grandfather's front yard when we would go home for summers and breaks in Georgia. And so I really like this piece. And this piece, ladies, is called Sunday Driving. Um, The wonders of children and their imagination and what children observe and relate to comes to the forefront in this piece. And I think it also kind of takes a look at how children begin to probably and possibly establish their ideas on uh, relationships and, and other types of behaviors. So the setting is a Southern front yard with a history of the home and family in various areas of this yard, the centerpiece of which is an old and operable car. The car keeps the attention of eight year old Missy 
and her constant companion and playmate, Terry. This season, we decided to kind of let you in on the themes that we'll be exploring in some of the stories. And so this episode themes include socialization, the rules to live by, um, infidelity, people pleasing, the failure to thrive and being controlling and bossy, gullibilities, and some other things thrown in there. So we're going to talk about that after the story. The story is presented by myself and Atlanta-based actress, Sean Archer. Here we go with Sunday Driving. I try today. She always wants to drive, but we never go far enough when she does. Anyway, it's my daddy's car, and I should be able to drive anytime I want to. But Terry's my best friend, so I share equally with her all the time, except for my coconut candies. You can drive today, Missy. I feel like just sightseeing. I almost didn't hear her good because she slammed the door so hard. When you slam the door, the whole car through the shake, rattle, and roll, and the dust from the seat rise up like a tornado tearing up the farm. That's fine, Terry. Fasten your chair, Bill. I think we ought to go to Texas today. How's that? Well, I guess that's fine. Am I wearing the right outfit for Texas? I should have packed the extra outfit. You know what them pretty ladies downtown say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lady must always always be properly properly dressed. dressed. (laughs) Harry found a piece of wood to knock on for I did. That's okay, though. Next time I'll get the good luck. Besides, I was driving. And when you drive an old buttercup, you have to keep both hands on the wheel. Old buttercup will get away from my inexpired, inexperienced, unexpired, a person that can't drive too good. So you can't let her go wobbling, looking for no stupid piece of wood. Terry know that. That's why she got the wood first. And that's why she didn't want to drive, because she wanted to get the good look. Terry, did you remember to put some water in our thermos? Every time we travel, you forget the water. We had to go drive all the way to Paris, France yesterday with no water. Do you have to pee? Nope. And got better than water this time. I put some Kool-Aid in it with some ice. That way, when we finish the Kool-Aid, the ice can melt into water, and then we can have two kinds of drinks in our trip. That's a good idea, huh, Missy? We learn a little more every time we go away. What we got for lunch, Terry? I got half a hot sausage, a bag of potato chips. You put the ketchup and hot sauce on them? Yeah, yeah. And I got two chicken wings from the refrigerator. Because daddy been nibbling on them all day, so mama won't even notice they gone. I figure we could eat some of your coconut candies for dessert, because now you can stop hiding them from under your thigh now. You make me so sick, Terry. How do you know I got candy under my thigh anyhow? Because yesterday when we went to Paris, France, and you got out in Savannah to pump the gas, it was stuck to you. And no, you hate sharing up that candy and me your best friend and all. All right, we can have a little piece for dessert. Sure hope we don't run into no rain on the turnpike. It's always raining on the turnpike, Missy, you know that. Maybe we ought to take 95. That's a thought. Oh, my, my, my. We coming up on a stuckies already, Terry. Look, they're going to sign. I see it. Get your pecan log at stuckies. It's not as good anywhere else. Sure ain't. You're not going to doze off this time, are you? Because a long-distance driver need to hear people talk to her. Oh, no. 
I'm a dealer crossing the road. Looks like he hit. Watch out. Bam. <laughs> the whole car rocked. It always does that when you hit an armadillo. It only makes a little bump when you squish a raccoon or a possum. And you get a little wiggle when you get one of those little turtles. But an armadillo, it shake, rattle, and roll the whole car. When it shook, I reached over to Terry so she wouldn't fly out the window. My mama always does the same thing to me. She say, hold the boat, sugar. Water don't tip my child over. It's a crazy thing to say, huh? But mama says it over and over and every time. Hold the boat, Terry. Water don't tip my child over. How you gonna keep me from flying out the window with one hand, driving off? I don't know, Terry. I guess when you reach your hand out like that, you just believe you can hold somebody. Did you put on clean panties? I always put on clean panties when we go traveling, Missy. You know that. Well, I have to ask. I couldn't very well let you fly out the window with dirty panties on. Your mama have a fit at the hospital if they told her they rescued you in dirty drawers. Yeah, she would. Missy, when we get married, what happens? Well, what you mean, Carrie? I mean, do we have to kiss the boy? Harry, he'll be a man then. Maybe then we might even like them. You think our mamas and daddies kiss? <laughs> I saw my people doing more than that. Hold the wheel. You got it good, don't you? Daddy's toes were wiggling like this. And mama keeps saying, yes, wiggle for me, baby. Wiggle, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, did we laugh. But me and Terry laugh, it just lasts forever and ever. We get loud and we laugh until we cry. Then we breathe hard and laugh some more. Carrie, I want to be a TV reporter, wear some of them Sears and Roebuck suits and ask people all kinds of questions. Not me. I'm going to be a president of a company that makes toys. That way, no matter how old I get, I'm going to have all the toys in the world to play with. Look at that sign. They put up a new hotel in this pitiful little town. Everybody needs some place to cheat on his wife, Terry. Who you heard say that? I hear your daddy tell my daddy that. Now you got a mama and a sugar mama. Your daddy says she's sweeter than sugar water and brown like molasses. Terry closed her eyes. She always do that when she want to cry harder than she feel like. I play like I didn't see her. Sometimes my mouth hurt people's feelings. My daddy always told me to keep an eye on my tongue. Look, Terry, your sugar mama just happens to be on the turnpike, too. We go pull up next to her and throw our shoes at her car. Come on, take your shoes off. We hurried up and took our shoes off. Then when I pulled up right next to that raggedy car of the scarlet heifer, that's what mama called her when daddy told her the story. Anyway, I pulled up next to Miss Scarlet Heifer and said, hey, sugar hey, mama. sugar mama. Then we threw the shoes right in her window. She was so scared, her wig twisted lopsided on her head. Then me and Terry laughed forever in that room. <laughs> Ooh, Missy, look at them clouds. It's going to take us longer to get to Texas. 
Yeah, I guess so. You want to eat now? We've been on the road at least four hours now. Time flies when you're heading out of town. Yeah, but don't it drag when you're coming back? You know what, Terry? I'm going to tell my people to change my name to Diana, like Diana Ross. Why? Your name bother you? Yeah, make me sound old. Come on, you change yours too. You can be Diane, like the real lady name on Julia. Yeah, then we can make up our own singing group. We can be the other Supremes. <laughs> You're so crazy. Ooh, Missy, can we stop at a gas station? I got to think real bad. I told you to go before we left. I always tell you that. And do you listen? Head hard as the bricks on the schoolhouse. A hard head makes a pissy behind, you know. We didn't get to a rest station for another, I'd say, 10,000 miles. I'll teach Terry about raising her skirt to me and knocking on wood first, too. You didn't have to make me hold it on purpose, Terry. You can show be evil when you want to. Now, let's go. We ought to get back on the road. It's starting to get dark. You didn't drop the keys, did you? No, I got them. We might as well finish that Kool-Aid while we ride. They'll look mighty cloudy, don't they? Downright nasty. Where we at now? Terry, didn't you see the sign back there? Welcome to California. Oh, no. We missed our exit, didn't we? California. Oh, Terry. Don't she know you get to California before you get to Texas coming from North Carolina? She's pretty. And she my best friend. But sometimes she's just Ain't too bright. And that, ladies, is Sunday driving. Sunday driving. So let's let's jump into this. I t- something I jotted down because it, it kind of resonated for me is is superstitious where she talked about the, the whole knocking on wood and getting the luck first. Yeah. Knocking on wood. And I jotted it down because it immediately made me think of like all of the things um that you grow up listening to and you just kind of learn. Not to do it. And it's not until you're older that you realize they're really just superstitions, right? Like, don't put your purse on the floor. Um, right. Right. And, <laughs> That's one. Um, I think a few years ago, I started rebelling and refusing to wash everything in the house on New Year's Eve. So nothing was dirty New Year's Day. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a rebellion kind of thing. And, you know, don't put a hat on the bed or something. It's, and, and, and I, so that resonated with me. But the thing I think that caught my attention about it, besides the, the, the superstitions that just become, again, natural behaviors for us, not realizing that we're doing things that and you, you don't question where they come from. You don't question, you know, they tell you don't put your purse on the floor because then you 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 how did it go? You don't put your purse on the floor because then you kind of give your money to the to the devil or something. Yeah. Um don't sweep somebody's foot or foot. and all yeah. that kind of stuff, all that <laughs> stuff, right? But the thing about Missy and Terry that caught me hearing them was the way Missy got upset because Terry knocked on the wood. And what came to mind was she got angry with her, like for real angry with her about knocking on the wood because it sounded to me like she believed Terry took something intangible from her. Mm-hmm. Right. Because luck is not really a tangible thing. But mm-hmm. she was upset because she felt like Terry 
took that from her, right? And so, um, and then later in the story, we we realized that she intentionally punished her, you know, right. in their little in right. their little weird right. you know play um, for taking something from what she believed was something taken from her, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was. You know, and again, they're, they're eight, eight year old girls, so you don't really know that they know, but I feel like she knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So talk to me, ladies. What did what did you all um, pull from this? I think this this excerpt just goes to show you that kids watch what you do mm-hmm. versus what you say. They're taking in what you say, but here in their imaginary play, they are showing you all of the isms, all of the superstitions, mm-hmm. all of the the lessons and words to live by and 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 even secret conversations that they've been privy to. It's all coming out in this play. I mean, it definitely lets you know that they have been far more observant, probably than the people around them know that they've been. That's true. That's true. I, I agree with that. And and just le- thinking about some of the things that um, even they said back and forth to each other and, you know, like, make sure you have on clean underwear. What is your, make sure your dress looks a certain way because these, you know, they're going to yeah. look at you a certain way, you know, all of these ideas. And so where did they get them from? Right. You know, so mm-hmm. someone has exposed them to um, these ideas in order for them to make them a part of their dialogue. You know, like we're going back and forth. But let me just tell you, this is how it really is. We can't we can't um, you know, even when she's when um, I believe it was Terry or Missy that said, uh, make sure you have something for us to drink. Make sure that you have, you know, like all right. of these checks and balances that she went through. Yeah. It's like, okay, I had to have experienced this when I go on a road trip with my family or um, someone else of, of significance to me. This really jogged a, a family memory of mine. My family is from the rural South, from rural Louisiana. And my great aunt and grandmother taught my older siblings that you always dress up for a car ride, Mm -hmm. a plane ride. It was a whole event. So this idea that they needed to be dressed to go to Texas or California (laughs) yesterday, they went to Paris. uh, That that was a real thing that the author uh, (laughs) tapped into there. What do you think, Claudette? Yeah, you know, and I think you're you 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 touched on something, Wina, because I remember when um, you know, I'm South Florida based, but my family was from Georgia. So we would always go home for for breaks and everything. And my mom was always, she wouldn't necessarily make us dress up, but she always made sure we dressed neatly mm-hmm. because we were going to be in the car for, you know, eight to ten hours or whatever on the drive. But but the the food thing, it, it was always a, pr- a process. There were always mm-hmm. steps, right? Yeah. She was going to say five or six times before we step foot out of that door, do you have to go to the bathroom? Absolutely. <laughs> go now because it's going to be a while before uh-huh. we stop. We would get in the car and my dad would, would ask would ask that same question, right? But there was a whole there was a whole process to the to the frying of the chicken and wrapping the chicken and the, the foil right. and, the and foil. all of this stuff yeah. and putting the ice in the cooler and stacking drinks in the cooler specifically. There was a whole routine, right? Yeah. And then yeah. there were the, the behavioral rules. You knew not to do this when, when we stopped, you don't do this, you don't do that. Right. So um, 
With Missy and Terry, you 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 do you hear a lot of that, right? You know that yes. they they both travel a lot, so they have very definitive ideas about um, not only where they're going, but what they need to do to get there. And so, one of the things that I'm I'm interested in, based on um, what you said, Renee, is is and what you kind of alluded to as well, Alina, is how does all of that specifically because we're talking about two little girls that. What does all of that stuff that we hear and we sneak around and listen to our parents talk about, how does that weigh in on who we become and how we begin to think as women? Oh, my goodness. It it weighs in in a, a huge way. Uh, and, you know, we can jump right to a really important part here where Missy says to Terry that she's heard something from her father about needing a hotel or a place to lay your head for your mistress. Right. Yeah. I and think that, everybody needs somewhere to cheat on his wife. Yeah. There we go. There we mm. go. Right. Uh, and, and prior to that, they're asking each other some really important questions about sexuality and relationships and life. And I'm sure we'll talk about that, but that's a, a moment in this story that indicates that the kids are watching what people do when they're listening and they're internalizing messages about the world that if they don't get any counter information to combat it, that will become truth for them. And what happens when you evolve and grow as a young child or a young woman specifically, that can turn into you believing that husband's don't always stay faithful to wives Mm -hmm. and that it is a common and acceptable practice to have a secret hideout where you can have another partner. That's true. And just like you said, that, that seed planted, you know, how does it play out as you go forward in life? And you can, you can think of so many different scenarios, like, you know, maybe that person will have this idea of mistrust because right. they've already experienced it. They already um, saw it. And so now they go into their relationships and they immediately mistrust their mate because they assume that this is the norm. You know, I've never seen or heard anything different. And so because I, this is what I've been exposed to, that there's always a side chick. Now my man has a side chick, even though he's right. never exhibited anything. And so we plant these seeds into our children's head or or not even unknowingly because they're watching. And so they're they're looking, they're observing, they're seeing more than what um, we think that they are exposed to. But right, and in and that is planting some negative ideas. Yeah, let's break it down even further. If Terry's father is a good man on all mm-hmm. other fronts, right? We learn to put those two things together, which mm-hmm. I think you're alluding to, Renee. Yeah, that exactly. that even good men cheat, right? So if my man treats me well, or he's a good provider, he may still have a chick on the side. And that might be something that I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. It becomes but, but you know what? That almost behavior. sounds like, I'm sorry, that almost sounds like the, when that almost sounds like I can condition myself to believe that as long as he's a good man, it's almost um, a reward or a gift for me to allow him to have another woman. 
you know, that's up to, yeah, that's up to the, the receiver, how they decide to maneuver that. But Claudette, what's interesting is that it struck something in Terry, the daughter, because she immediately started to cry. Yeah. And at eight, we can't necessarily know what those tears were about or how she internalized the message, but she knew that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there was nobody around to help her unpack that exchange. Missy knew that she'd said something that hurt Terry's feelings, Mm -hmm. and she tried to recover by saying, let's go throw our shoes at that heifer. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> but at that moment, that was the only intervention that they had. Right. And they moved on. But a pivotal piece of information was exchanged in that moment. And it'll be very interesting to see how that continues to grow now that that seed has been planted in Terry. Mm-hmm. But even that space of, um, you know, Missy saying, let's throw something at her. So you giving a negative connotation that let's handle it. Let's, let's deal with yeah. other, you know? And so even in that, like she was trying to, you know, protect or guard her, help her friend get through that moment. But in that you've already shown, let's fight it out. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's pull yeah, up let's, on somebody. Let's, yeah. let's, let's <laughs> choose <laughs> violence. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's choose violence. Yes, exactly. And so that, that fed um, a different part of her. And, she, you know, even outside of that, as she grows up, just imagine, you know, what she may be thinking or what things she may um, go forward and do even more, you know, as she develops, like, okay, hitting her with a shoe wasn't enough. I need to get rid of her. And so this is really not a a safe space for her to just be able to um, dissect what she's experiencing, her feelings, Mm -hmm. like you said, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And with someone like Terry, I mean, listening to, to this piece, you hear Terry's personality and her temperament and it's clear she's she's at this point she's not someone that is going to stand up for herself she's not going to challenge any um anything that yeah. feels like disregard or, or disrespect to, to her right um and so it you know listening to you all talk about how these 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 thoughts and these understandings begin to build in her mind um it makes me wonder if 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 that increases for her in other areas and other relationships, because, because she doesn't necessarily advocate for herself. She, she, she doesn't advocate for herself and she's getting messages. Like you said, that infidelity is okay. It's just part of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then I begin to look at that in, in, in business relationships. Okay. A partner, you know, embezzling a little bit, so, you know, that's, that's, that's normal. People have a moment, you know, they have a moment, um, but I'm not really going to say anything because I don't want my feelings hurt. So mm-hmm. I'll just move on from it. Right. And so obviously in this piece, these are, these are two little girls in the car by themselves. So, you know, there's not necessarily a way for their parents to, to know what they're discussing right in these imaginary car rides to Paris, France and that mm-hmm. type of thing. But Wina, you pointed to um, the the fact that they were having discussions as well about sexuality and, and life and, and obviously what they wanted in relationships. Terry was really struggling with um, what she would have to do in a relationship to show some type of affection right. to a boy when she got older. So let's let's talk about that piece. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I have to bring in the developmental life phase or stage information here because at eight years of age, these little girls have have just transitioned out of the uh, egocentric phase and they may still be in it a bit where we believe as young, young children that everything that happens around us happens because of us. Right. Mm. So if someone dies, did we accidentally say that we didn't like that person? Mm. Um, If mom and dad get a divorce, was it something that I did wrong? Was I not a good child? Uh, So the beauty of this story is that you can see how facts are becoming concrete and then others are not. There's still a, a mystery you know, these girls may still believe in the Easter bunny, mm-hmm. Santa Claus. Right. And magic. Right. So yeah. when you talk about luck, luck is like magic, mm-hmm. right? So when when Missy talks about the knocking on wood, you're right, Claudette. She might have been really offended because mm-hmm. she took my luck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Right. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. right. You know, that's like telling me that the Easter bunny isn't real or that the tooth fairy isn't coming. You stole my <laughs> dollar from under my pillow after exactly. I lost my tooth. <laughs> So, so we've got pieces of that innocent childhood in there with this more concrete understanding of the world and sex and intimacy and and romantic relationships. They're still young enough to think that boys are cruddy and and they don't want (laughs) to hold hands. They can't even conceive of kissing a boy to be in a romantic relationship. So with that mind, how do you process something like getting married and then infidelity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even, even just thinking about the trajectory of how it was even exposed in the story. Like when they were talking, when Missy and Terry were talking, they were talking about when we get married. So, so marriage, then mm-hmm. kiss the boy. So then you have to kiss the person that you're with. And then they alluded to, okay, mommy and daddy. So that means that there is a husband and a wife. But then they went on to talk about what it felt like or what it, it seemingly p- appeared like we're going to wiggle. We're going to, you know, have this encounter. So that means sex. Right. And so then but then it pivoted to the infidelity. And so that that thought pattern, that order was already established in their mind. So this is what happens. You know, first you get the guy, you, you know, encounter him, you get married (laughs) to him, then we kiss him, then we have sex, and then eventually infidelity will happen. And so that was, you know, just that um, idea of being that being placed in your heart, you know, knowing that, is this really true? And is there something more like, where's the middle pieces? Where's the middle pieces that says we build a family? Where's the middle pieces that says, you know, that we are committed to one another? Where's the middle pieces that show that, you know, infidelity is not a normal part of life? And so there's so many different loopholes here um, where they're trying to fill it, fill it together in their own mind based on what they see. Right. Well, at eight, many parents aren't speaking candidly about the birds and the bees or about holding hands and consent and what do you do when you get those first stirrings or urges to uh, like someone on that level. Mm -hmm. But this story shows us that the kids are thinking about it 
even Already. before as parents, we may want to bring them into the fold about some of those middle parts that you talked about, Renee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's important here that as parents in an age appropriate way, you start to match words with actions, Absolutely. Um, start to actually talk about courting and talk about how you know when you like someone, Mm -hmm. what's okay and not okay. And not always from a sexual perspective. We don't have to start talking about intercourse per se, unless you know that your child is exposed to it from television, social media, and other people are different. And now there's so much more of that. So much more of that, that the conversations do have to start earlier, earlier, Mm -hmm. but, but just the basics about relating to other people and about things like boundaries and, and being loyal and, and how you show up to relationships Mm -hmm. is something that parents have to talk about to avoid imaginative conversations like this that could go south very quickly. Yes, I agree. Yeah, because I, I I do think, you know, it, like, but Mitzi said, you know, her daddy always tells her to, to pay attention to, to, to what she's saying and how her words affect somebody. But, but Mitzi, you know, Mitzi had no problem kind of sharing something she probably knew she shouldn't have shared because she heard something that she probably wasn't supposed to hear. Right. Right. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm shifting a little bit here, but so one of the things I, and I, you know, was one of the, the, the things, um, that I really heard in, in Missy is, and I, and I put a note here, was she, is she showing bully potential? Yes. Yes. Or, yes. or is, <laughs> does she just have a strong personality? Mm-hmm. You know, does she just have a strong personality? <laughs> I I see. Yeah, I see a balance of both, because when this story starts, I think she's actually trying to hide her candy because she actually doesn't want to have to have a confrontation with her friend Terry. (laughs) So um, she's learned just to quietly stick it underneath her thigh and Uh hide it between her skin and the the car seat because she wants to keep it to herself. But then in later parts of the story, I think you hear her parents coming out a lot when you say things like, did you remember to pee? Or use yes. the bathroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I I told you, you know, that that um, you know, you're gonna have to learn how to do this or there are gonna be consequences. I heard nothing but adult coming through in yeah. those those moments. Yeah. It definitely showed that, you know, um, she was taking the leadership role. She was taking the role of the parent because she was talking about, did you pack our food? Um, don't make sure you don't doze off because I need somebody that's going to stay awake in the right. car with me. Like, you know, um, that you talked about your dress, talk about, you know, where we're going. And even the fact that she was the driver of the car that didn't even belong to her, you know, wasn't her car. So it was just showing that, you know, Missy was taking that lead leadership role, but in that flipping to the other side, you know, Terry was being very um, passive and passive, yes. just accepting everything that, um, you know, Missy was was telling her to do and how to do it. And so that's, you know, can be concerning in development, you know, when understanding that you don't have to do everything that everybody says, you know, or, you know, allowing mm-hmm. yourself to be able to have a voice. And so in every situation, Missy, Missy dominated 
what needed to be done and Terry just did it. And so being careful of what that mindset could um, cause or change in either of them as they develop, like will Missy continue to be this person that not only tells her what to do, but just everybody, you know, and it, how good is it? And, and when is it not good in her knowing the difference? And the same thing with um, Terry being able to understand the space of listening, but not losing herself, not losing who she is or what she wants in that space. And that's, you know, this is where conversations have to come in, where parents are training up our children, where yeah. we are teaching them, you know, you don't allow anyone, anyone to tell you what to do and how to do it all, you know, just all of those things. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things with, with Missy is, you know, when it talked, we talk about that, you know, that old fashioned parenting versus, you know, more contemporary styles is one of the things that we were always taught. And you can kind of hear that Missy was taught it too. She just hasn't learned it. Is that just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say you it. You have to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and if you are going to say it, think about how you're saying it. Yes. Right. So, you know, so again, but, but they're eight. So I think at that age, you kind of, what, what you, what you channel from your parents um, is kind of selective. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause she even recognized in that moment. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. And what my, what was already told to me about my mouth. Right. And so she, she knew but now she actually saw the hurt in her friend because of her words. And so to learning through that experience, okay, now I have to choose the right words. Yeah. I, I saw so much partnership and loyalty though, even at yeah. eight in the fact that when she realized that she'd hurt her friend or that the information had hurt her friend, she was ready to step up and protect yeah. her. Absolutely. She's like, I got to make this right. How do I change the mood here? How do I get us back on course? Otherwise, this is going to be a long car ride. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So she Uh, got the shoe. (laughs) Right. She got this. Let's get these shoes. (laughs) One of the things I really like about this story that, you know, I try to um, to promote with with younger people in my life is that to, to never lose your your sense of wonder and imagination. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, because clearly this car is not moving and clearly they did not drive from North Carolina to to California or Texas or Paris, France or wherever at eight years old. But I like the wonder and the the imagination of, of these young people. And so that's that's my question to you, ladies, because we know you talked about how we have to to learn to have age appropriate conversations, right? Mm-hmm. About that that sexuality and boundaries and how people um, ap- approach you. And I want to come back to that. Now I'm probably gonna forget, so remind me. Um, but is it also important, especially now again, where you can see where kids can see so much on the internet, on TV, yeah. you know, just out and about in public, is it important that we still instill in them that that very um, innocent and curious sense of imagination? Oh, God, it's no question. And, and you can see the impact of, of 
a lot of screen time over yeah. the last 10, 20 years uh, and the lack of time to just be with your thoughts and and just have to make believe and imagine that things are the way they are and let your own mind conjure up anything it wants to conjure up versus letting a screen do it for you and tell yes. you what the year 2040 is going to look like or tell you what um, animals might have looked like in prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a trade-off. But it's really important that we make that space. And and that means actually limiting device or screen time sometimes maybe one, two days a week. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing or black and white thing, but just allowing kids to even or encouraging them to journal and yes. and and talk about impressions of people that mm-hmm. that they meet or encounter and and there are ways that you can focus them in on their own thoughts and teach yeah. them how to be more mindful and present in the moment with those thoughts because there's something to it it did help the generations before to to know that we could imagine and conjure up things and it was okay to not have everything dictated to us by an influencer mm-hmm. or by mm-hmm. something that society is telling us. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I definitely agree with that. Just, you know, um, it's our responsibility as parents to really take the time to not only, like you said, limit the screen time, but even if you have that screen time or that device time, but to censor it and not in a way of, oh, you can't watch that or you can't watch this, but how about sit down and let's watch it together and let me explain things as you're going Mm, along. Explain that this is make-believe. Explain that, you know, these people are not evil. Explain that, because there's so many things that are out there that cause um, our children to believe or think or even act out. And you're wondering, where did that attitude come from? Where did that, Yes, because Uh they saw it on a show, now they're mimicking, like you said, instead of uh, coming up with their own imagination and the way that they would want to evolve from a space they're already being shown, this is what you do. This is how you do it. And now they're going around snapping their fingers, switching their hips. And we're like, what in the world? Where did that come from? I know I didn't show you or teach you that. But that goes to sitting down and saying, let's talk about this as we go along, that her attitude was not good. That way is not the right way to go. And so they don't walk away from those experiences, taking all of the negative things in. Yes. Yeah, I remember a few years ago talking to a friend of mine about her son and she was choking. Um, but she said she she learned to encourage him to do it. Like she was saying every time she would buy him a gift or something, whether it was his birthday or Christmas, if it came when he was younger, if it came in a big box, she was like he would open the box and whatever was in it, he would be fascinated with it for like a couple of hours. But the next day or later on that day, it was that box. Yes. He he was building and doing something. With that box, he was taking wheels off of an old toy and sticking it on the box or, right. you know, he was creating forts with boxes and, and all of this kind of stuff. And I, I, you know, and she said initially she would be upset because she was like, I spent all of this money on this stuff. And you, you're more interested in the box. But then she said she realized that it was just his imagination and she didn't want to do anything to, you know, to, to quiet his imagination. Right. Right. Well, when I was younger, 
summertime meant sitting out on the porch or being in the street with the kids from my block. There Mm -hmm. was no summer camp, Mm -hmm. uh, nothing really structured for us to do. And as early as we woke up and got breakfast, our parents would get us showered and out the house and we couldn't come in and out. We didn't want to let the cold air or the flies in (laughs) or out. And we had to be back in when the street lights came on, which was probably (laughs) about 8, 830. And so we had a full 12 hours Mm -hmm. to occupy ourselves with nothing but roller skating, jump rope, riding bikes, playing ball, and duck, duck, goose, hide and go seat. Hopscotch. Hopscotch, (laughs) right? Sidewalk chalk. And my, my, I was a creative. So my mom would give me a pack of construction paper Mm. and a pair of safety scissors and maybe two pairs if a friend joined me. And we would cut up all types of shapes and Mm -hmm. then make up stories about the stuff that we cut up. We would make a set of keys Mm -hmm. and the keys would go to magic kingdoms. We (laughs) would get in trouble later because there was construction (laughs) paper (laughs) strewn all (laughs) over the yard. And I mean, trouble, trouble. But at eight, that imaginative playtime was one of the most important memories that I took from that time. I, I really enjoyed having a moment to just create and do without something telling me what I should be thinking, uh, mm-hmm. what life is like. I was not sitting in front of the TV. Right. Right. And I think that imagination also, um, Rena and Renee helped us as we became, you know, teenagers and then adults. It helped us be able to problem solve. Yes. And to think logically and to think in that order. If if I do this, then this. Mm-hmm. And if I did this, then then this happened, then that. Right. right? So there was yeah. a there was a, a, a we learned a strategy of reasoning, you know, and and I, so often I wonder if, if, if you know, in, in, in the development and the nurturing and the education of our children, when we, when imagination is, is left to, to devices and technology, are we not, are we doing children a disservice by not allowing them to have that very organic, natural, you know, out there with the construction paper? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, um, or, yeah. or lining up, lining up teddy bears and dolls and, you know, um, playing school and, and that kind of stuff. Um, right. Yeah. So, you know, so I wonder about that. My my niece was now getting ready to go to college. She would she would come to my house when I would watch her and she would bring all of her little all of her little monster high dolls and her stuffed animals and all of this kind of stuff. And she would line them up on, you know, in the bed. And I would tell her, oh, you know, I used to do that. I played school and this, that and the other thing. But Chick was playing counselor. She was the school counselor. She she was dealing with problems. And I was like, where did she get that from? Yeah. Where did she get that from? Right. Yeah. Um, and but I realized that I always, you know, we, she and I always had very, like you were saying, we, we always had very direct conversations. If she asked me something about life or something, I always yeah. tried to respond to her in a very age appropriate manner. But I was I was never that I've never been the aunt or the, the mom that would tell you, oh, when you're older. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, when you're older, because for for me, as someone who's just naturally curious, for me, if you have a question, that means there's enough going on in your head that you can handle an answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that it's it's presented itself to you. So 
there's clearly some context for the question and you might need an answer to Mm -hmm. manage something that's happening in life, even at that young level. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I I, am going back to uh, the old toys and the things that um, we expose our children to. I have uh, two grandbabies and we one of the things that we um, always play is Mr. Potato Head. And I love their, and and that's like our thing. And so I get out all of the, and I started this like when they were two and we just, just watching them evolve and how they um, create these men and women and what they say and the things that they say. Mm -hmm. And I find um, one of the big things is why, or why, well, why? And, and so when you leave them and you don't give a response or you don't allow um, that why um, to direct them towards something, then they come up with their own agenda and their own, you know, thing based on what they've seen. And so I love to um, sit with them and hear what they say when they create, oh, no, she shouldn't have that on or, oh, no, I want her to look like this or, you know, and then they go up back and forth and they're boy and girl cousins and they'll say, oh, bae, because they've heard their parents call each other bae. And so it's just watching that and listening to that um, is very important uh, as we allow our children to develop, because in that they're um, coming up with their own, I guess, creative way of deciding, do I want to be this person or do I want to be that person? Do I want to look like that? Like just the little things that are exposed in that little teeny space of watching them outside of the TV and the computer games and and all of that. And even hopscotch, you know, how they are developing and writing their numbers and letters and, you know, all of those things that can come out when we just allow them to step away. And I I, I love when, um you know, they were talking about, uh, Missy and Terry were talking about their future goals in life. Like yes. I want to be a TV mm-hmm. reporter. Miss, I believe it's um, Terry. Mercy said, mm-hmm. I want to be a TV reporter. And um, Terry said, I want to be a president of a toy company because mm-hmm. I want to always have something to play with. Mm-hmm. And so where her mindset is, is that she ultimately wants to stay a kid right now. Like I'm enjoying this space that I'm in. And so right. not that's where a, a directive comes in. Like, being creative and wanting to have toys is a great thing, um, but we still have to grow up. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I and, it, and I, it, that struck me as well, Renee, because I was like, okay, here, here is ta- Terry, the, the, the passive one, the one that kind of allows people to dictate everything to her, mm-hmm. but she's the one that's talking about ownership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, again, that shows that when you allow kids to have their imagination, even though, you know, there's there may be some challenge areas in who they are at that moment, they see so much bigger for themselves. And you have to find a way to really um, allow them to fully walk in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And I like the fact that Missy didn't shut her down. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Missy didn't shut her down. And I think that speaks to what you were saying, Arena, um, about that loyalty. She mm-hmm. she listened to her friend. She didn't say no. Yeah, you, know, you can't be that. that. You can't yeah, you be that. that. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Right. You can't be that. You can't do that. Why would you want to do that? Right. Mm-hmm. And so often I think we do that to our children and we take that again, we take that sense of wonder from them. We take away that um the, the power of vision. Mm. Right. Yeah, I, I want to give yeah. I want to give folks um, a nugget here. 
because you just brought up something really relevant. I'm a licensed family therapist and couples therapist by by training. And in family therapy, I, I have to um, insert here that we use a technique called child-centered play therapy. And in child-centered play therapy, the play therapist actually has these specific toys and play stations and areas set up in their office. They have a sandbox and they have little GI Joes and things like that for the kids to play with. And in the play therapy session, and this typically happens with kids who are about age 10 and under, The kids are allowed to say whatever they want to say and do almost anything they want to do in the room. And if there's something that they can't do, the therapist will let them know. Mm -hmm. And those two things are the only ground rules. And what it encourages when as a therapist, we're watching the children simply play and talk about the things that they're doing, whatever comes up, we learn a lot about what's happening in the family and what the kids are actually thinking and what they're feeling. So it cracked me up as I was listening to Terry and Missy when one minute, you know, they're talking about these really abstract concepts like sex. And then the next minute, they're overestimating how long they've driven. Oh, we went 10,000 miles or yesterday we went to Paris or of course we had to go to California to get to Texas. Yeah, Those are the types of yeah. things that a therapist will allow to happen without any correction. Mm -hmm. All of the things that were said, the therapist would just mirror back what they were hearing, even about the infidelity. Mm -hmm. They would not ask questions or point the kid in any direction because the child is going to tell you what they need you to know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So when you say, Claudette, it was nice that Missy didn't shut Terry down. It was really nice. And as parents, when Mm. you want to observe or learn something about your children, it's really important that you set aside a designated amount of time where your kid can say anything that they want to say and do almost anything that they want to do in that time. Uh, And you'll let them know if there's something they can't do, meaning you can't bounce the basketball and break the lamp, but we can play. And I'm not going to say you have to play a certain way or don't sit on this that way, or don't Mm -hmm. talk like that. When you're playing, you have to give them the space to be themselves and they will open up nine times out of 10 because they feel safe to just be them. Yeah. 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 And I think that kind of speaks to what Renee was saying about, you know, that playtime with her grandkids, you know, you're, you're Mm -hmm. in that space with, with, with them, you're allowing them to play, but you're in that space with them, right? Like you're like using the basketball analogy, right? And so I, I, and that kind of leads me to the question I was going to ask here is when you look at a situation like Missy and Terry, where they're in they're you know, they're in that car and they're, you know, clearly, you know, Missy's family know the two of them are out there in that car and they play in that car all the time. Right. And so based on what you're saying, Rena, and what Renee was saying earlier, um, when, when they, let's say they get out of the car and go in the house to play in the house, you know, what kind of conversations can their parents then have with them to kind of determine um, what kind of conversations they're having or what they're, what they're doing out there, you know, in the car, or could they, ask if they can go on the next trip with them. So that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. it. 
Oh, you you take car mm-hmm. rides with Missy or you take car rides with Terry all the time? Well, take me somewhere today. Yes, yes. And it's also going to depend on the level of comfortability that the children have yes. with their parents, whether or not they'll even say, well, we just were in, a, I, I had a car ride or, or we were just doing this or we were just doing that. Because if they're not comfortable or feel, as um, Weena said, that it's a safe space, they're not going to come in and share, even share that, even though it was make-believe. And so going back to that therapeutic space of allowing, um, you know, the children to play and to be able to say anything they want to say, what I've found is that oftentimes the parents are surprised. They are not only surprised, but they're like, I never thought that I was exhibiting that or I was showing that or I was um, in a place where they were even exposed to some of these things that I'm seeing and hearing just in their playtime. And so it's important for us to allow that, like you said, Weena, because when we don't, we don't allow um, the children to really experience their truth. Like, right. what are th- what are they seeing and and taking making, in, taking in mm-hmm. and how is it forming and shaping them as adults or as as they develop? And now, you know, now hearing you guys say that it kind of makes sense because, you know, when you were growing up and your, your parents were having things at the house and there were adults over, you, you were kind of always sent to the room or sent mm-hmm. off somewhere, right? Oh, yeah. Um, um, you know, because you, you weren't supposed to be in that environment. And so you learn as adults that because there was just things that they were discussing and talking about that you were not supposed to hear as a kid, right? They you were above were... your pay grade. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, but then when you're little, you're kind of like it it it, it raises. Well, for me, it kind of just made me more curious because I was like, okay, well, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. What are what are they talking about? Right. Um, so but it's interesting because you know, again, a child should be in a child's place, right? Um but so based on what you're saying, Renee, and, and Renee, you can weigh on and if if with specifically in a situation like Missy and Terry, where they've established their their play domain, right? And what they what they want to talk about, how can a parent then maybe create another play domain for them? Like for instance, how could Missy's parents you know establish a play domain for them so that they can kind of um you know, have that, that therapy, that child play therapy moment, like you're talking about when that, but in their, in their home and in the same for Terry's parents, how can you create that, that kind of play domain like you have with your grandkids or Yeah. Well, t- really just making the decision to take the time. I mean, you just have to take the time. We are so, um, rigid in our schedules and the things that we have to do that we don't set aside the time. We want to place our children in front of the TV or the video games because then we can do 18 other things. But making a decision as a parent, as a grandparent, as an auntie, as a neighbor, let me take some time with this child because that time is going to help to shape them into something great, something positive. I'm not going to allow the influences of the world or the influence of what they see to just raise them because that's basically what's happening. When we leave them to these devices, we're allowing that to be the form and the shape that they uh, acquire as they grow older. And so taking the time, not just that two minutes at bedtime, I love you and read a a quick story, but taking time throughout your day, taking trips, taking playtime, allowing them to say, oh, you want, what do you want to play today? And then exploring those opportunities with your child. 
Yes. And it does not take long. No. 30 Mm -hmm. minutes, Mm -hmm. 30 Mm -hmm. minutes of focused time where devices, and I mean the adults, (laughs) devices are all um, down and away. Mm -hmm. And clearly the kids' devices, if they have any, are going to be down and away. And you get down on their eye and height level, meaning sit on the floor with Mm -hmm. them, you know, Mm -hmm. get down there in the mix with them. And you do not have to necessarily have any specific types of toys. If there are toys or books or things that they already have that they like to use, or you get out that pack of construction paper and those safety systems, right? So in other words, Uh, you don't have to overthink it. No. Not have to overthink it. But when you make it a ritual, it becomes a time that a child knows they can depend on having your full and undivided attention. Yes. And that is something that has been missing from lots of households for, for lots of valid reasons. Folks are working, folks are super busy Mm -hmm. and they think that even putting the kids in music lessons or sports and things like that is quality time, right? And I'm, you're learning something, you're getting cultured, you're, you know, practicing a skill, even getting a life skill like swimming. Don't mistake that for 30 minutes to an hour, if you can, of unadulterated, uninterrupted quality Mm -hmm. time, where even as the adult, you are allowing yourself to get back into an imaginative space of play. Mm -hmm. And you really go there with your kid and you do not direct them. You do not correct them. Those are the most important parts. Don't direct, don't correct. Mm -hmm. Just be. Just be. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love that. That the that the uh, a great um, some great action stuff information for this episode. And so, as we move to wrap up, um, I want to go back to something because I think it's important. We know when you were talking earlier um, in in this episode about um, you know they're eight years old, and you know it's important that you have very age appropriate conversations with them about boundaries and that type of thing. Um, so. If in having those conversations, it's become clear that your child may have been uh, exposed or have some insight into something that's a little bit more sexually aware than you mm-hmm. than you uh, thought yep. or knew about. Yeah. Is it important to go ahead and have some type of age appropriate conversation at that point? Not at that moment. Yeah. The most important thing is to notice what's happening and Mm -hmm. give yourself some time to be thoughtful about your approach. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can come in hot right off the break and and have a thoughtful age appropriate response, that's okay. But for folks who might be taken aback by the fact that somebody knows about their friend's parents' divorce or infidelity, or they've seen something that they're not supposed to see, whether it's trauma, sexual intercourse, you name it, porn. Mm -hmm. It is okay to be thoughtful about your reply and thoughtful about the approach. It's okay for you to seek some type of guidance before you say something to a child about it. Mm -hmm. Clearly, if the child has seen something or is doing something that puts them in imminent danger, then we need to act in that moment. But sometimes doing nothing in those moments and just taking in the information to process is one of the best things that you can do. 
Mm-hmm. Then, I, then I, after you get your strategy together and you make sure that the messaging is 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 going to come out in a way that does not shut the child down and prevent them from wanting to talk about it again, mm-hmm. then we can have a discussion about it. Renee, what do you think? I, I totally agree because what happens is a lot a lot of times in those situations parents become reactive. Like, right. don't do that. Stop that. Don't say that. You know, and who and told then, you that? Where'd right, you get that from? That? Right, right. And what does that do? It sparks the curiosity of the child even more. Mm-hmm. And so we have to remember, just like you said, we process, think about it, take the time and let's be proactive so that we are properly directing that child um, in that emotion, in that thought pattern that they're in, in that moment so that it's a safe and then they they can continue to share things with you because right. if you if you are reactive and abrasive then they're going to be like oh well, I better not say that word or that thing around mommy or daddy any longer right so yeah let me take this a step further mm-hmm. that knee jerk reaction sometimes isn't even about the child it's yeah. more about us yes they mm-hmm. trigger something it's about mm-hmm. what has been yes. triggered in us yes. that the child has witnessed us mm-hmm. having sex with our partner or has witnessed something that that you know we think now oh goodness um this has over sexualized them and now i'm afraid that at 13 they're going to be out having babies mm-hmm. it is important to actually get in touch with with what has been triggered in you before you respond to the child Absolutely. and also keep in mind what is it that I want this young person to take away from yeah. this experience yeah. is sex a bad thing wait a minute this is how they got here mm, right <laughs> Hello. they witnessed sex <laughs> yeah and sex is how they yeah. actually got here humans have sex they do Mm-hmm. But when the spiritual undertones and some of the judgments and, and stigmas come in, that's when we start to breathe heavily and get butterflies in our stomach when we need to have these conversations. Right. And in Western culture, we're not prepared to have candid conversations about sex and sexuality most times because it's been tied in with consumerism and violence and mm-hmm. all kinds of evil things that unfortunately yeah. make it hard for us to just have talks about it without feeling like there's some negative piece attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it's that much more important when we're trying to raise healthy kids not to say and do things that body shame them, slut shame them, or make them feel a way about sex and things like that, that will start to shape them in ways that make them secretive, as Renee was saying, make them feel like it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot of work to do there. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so um, my final question, and then we'll wrap up, ladies, is when you look at the very different personalities of, of of Missy, who has a very um, strong, controlling leadership type of personality, and somebody like um, Terry, who's very passive and um, probably not likely to self-advocate for herself. As, as parents, if you see those types of personalities in your kids, how can you kind of um, help mold or, or, or do you help mold or shape, not to necessarily change them, but to assure that they, what am I trying to say? That they still, that they become very productive people in their own personalities mm-hmm. um, without doing harm to others. 
For me, this is like a real life experience. So I have going back to my two grandbabies and I have two different personalities. The one that is more domineering and the other is more submissive or passive, you would say. And so allowing that opportunity to that space for fairness, you know, giving them the opportunity to be able to share and to consider one another and constantly, you know, saying when things are um going awry, going in a way where one feels uh, dislighted or saddened and expressing those emotions, um, allowing them to talk about those emotions and giving them the space to be able to say, well, I, I didn't like that or I wasn't, that wasn't fair or she always wants her way and kind of addressing, well, why do you always want your way? Right. Or why do, why do you um, always do that? Or it, that behavior is not acceptable and we don't want to treat people like that. And so considering you know, bringing in those teaching teachable moments in that space and just allowing them to be who they are going to be, but still allowing correction and teaching and guidance, which is so important. I love it. Uh, and, you know, from a different perspective, I did not necessarily see a whole lot of unhealthy behaviors happening between these two young girls mm -hmm. in this car context matters. Yeah. And uh -huh. one car ride doesn't necessarily indicate that that one is passive and one is more aggressive. Mm -hmm. So I heard that the day before Terry had drove. So today Missy is driving, Missy driving. right? Or that Terry told her, "You drive. I want to I want to watch this watch time. This I want to just ride." And so I saw partnership um, I saw equity versus inequality. There was a lot of give and take between them. Sure, Terry packed the food and snuck the chicken wings out and said <laughs> that, you know, mom would notice because dad has been nibbling at those chicken wings all day. <laughs> but Missy had the awesome responsibility of having to drive and stay awake yeah. while she got to ride. So, you know, uh, you have to watch. Mm -hmm. For longer mm -hmm. than a snapshot Absolutely. before you make any judgments about the ways your children may be going. But if you do see things along the way that make you feel uncomfortable or you start to feel like a dominant personality or a passive personality is emerging, you absolutely get to jump in there mm -hmm. and very gently point out that there is a different way to advocate for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Great stuff today, ladies. Thank you so very much. Um, uh, Rena, why don't you tell everyone how they can um, connect with you? Sure. Definitely visit covenanttherapy.com if you are interested in um, therapy or coaching needs. And if you are interested in checking me out on social media, you can uh, find me at Covenant Counseling Group on IG um, and I'll be there waiting for you. <laughs> and Renee? And if you want to connect with me, you can reach me on meditationalmoment.com again for your coaching, your life coaching, and for bringing Christ-centered meditation into your life. And also on social media is meditationalmoment.com. All right, ladies, thank you so very much. This wraps up episode three, Sunday Driving with Missy and Terry. I love this story. Um, we'll see you next time for episode four, where we're talking about um, family dynamics through a father and his three children. So that should be very interesting. Thank you so much, ladies. Talk to you next time. See ya. Bye. 
You've written the book and the book has been published. Now what? Beyond marketing, promoting, and sales, what are the possibilities beyond the book? Is it a podcast? An online course? A virtual event? A product line? A script for film or theater? What can you create beyond the book? That's where Pecantry Creative Solutions comes in. We will dive into the development lab with you to create the next great move ideal for you. Ideal based on your book. An ideal for reaching a diverse and varying audience. Reach out to Pecantry Creative Solutions today at www.pecanstreetbooks.com. More magic happens beyond the book. The Wow Effect. If you want to increase your potential, live your best life, and win, then it's time to apply this balm that will heal your soul. Author Anita Faye Wilson has penned this body of work to help women and men flush out negative words, thoughts, and limiting beliefs and move from brokenness to wholeness. Available at all book outlets, Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, and more. You can also visit AnitaFayWilson.com for a personally autographed copy. The perfect antidote guaranteed to change your mindset from bondage to freedom. And that's the wow effect. Get yours today. Wow. Be blessed and be free. Thoughts, comments, and observations by the host, coaches, counselors, and therapists are not to be construed as personal advice or direction. Thanks for listening to another creatively powerful and engaging episode of The Griot's Remedy. Be sure to tune in next week for new insight and discussion that gives you some things to consider as you take a look in your proverbial mirror. The Griot's Remedy, where fiction mirrors real life and everything is up for discussion. Your host is E. Claudette Freeman. Connect with her at www.eclaudetteliterary.com. For the Griot's Remedy episode, cast, panel, advertising, or resource information, email us at bookloudly at pecantrybooks.com or find us at www.pecantrybooks.com. 